clearly mark the radio dial setting at GameZillaMedia.com. Do not use your phone. It must be reserved for vital emergency messages so that you can receive official news and civil defense instructions on the Conrad frequency used in your area. Your life may depend on this. The last line of defense in major gaming news. GameZilla Alpha. Prepare to take shelter and obey instructions instantly. This is the underground resistance. Join the Alpha Force. This is the plan to help you and others who need you. A plan to live, to work, and fight as did your forefathers. Now, let's check the plan together step by step. GameZilla Alpha. Welcome to GameZilla Alpha! Where we do voice acting on the side. Get to the chopper. You do voice acting. Yeah, that was that was perf. I took that to a voice acting specialist, did the exact same line, and he said it was the best thing he's ever heard. Okay, okay. Here's the test. Okay, it's a real test. If you are a true voice actor, I want to hear a Viger voice right now. Go. I can't do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much pressure. Do it right now. You can do it. It's only a short way. Very good. Now, in a different voice, do a star scream voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same voice. I know, but I'm okay, trying last to say test. something. Last I'm trying test. to say something different. Last test, okay? In your best possible voice, I want you to sound exactly... Like 8-Bit Steve. Hi, this is 8-Bit Steve. Welcome to the GameZilla Podcast. Oh my god, Jazzy, you're... You know what? I told you it was good. Told you it was good. Wait a minute, 8-Bit Steve's right there. No, he's He's back on the show. No, he's not. Did you invite him on the show just to try to trick me? That was all me. Steve, I told you not to stand up yet. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to episode 49 of GameZilla Alpha. Jazzy's back. I didn't get to do the intro myself today, but so is 8-Bit Steve, so I'm actually okay with this. Yeah, yeah. I, I love being here, guys. And I think by now, if you listen to Games of Alpha, you know, you 100% know why 8-Bit Steve's here. Yeah, he's helping me with a voice acting bit that I just did. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. He's bringing us another interview. Oh, damn it. He, this guy isn't going to take my job, I swear to God. Oh, he already has. No. Uh, this so is, why do I show up every it, week then? We just, it's pity, really. Uh, it's a pity invite. Fair. I appreciate <laughs> you guys for that. What it was actually is that you're in a group text and I forgot to remove you from the group text. So I was like, well, yeah. I guess you can come to one more show. Yeah, technology, it's hard. <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, today we are bringing you a special interview. I'm not going to get into it. I'm going to leave it to, uh, to 8-Bit Steve. He's the one that did all the hard work, Jazzy. Why am I going to take any uh, any pleasure in this? Besides sitting back and enjoying this amazing interview, so yeah. hey, but Steve, why are we here? Who we who we uh, interviewing today? Give us the details. We are interviewing a very special guest. Uh, this is probably the most. It definitely is the most fun interview that I've done. It's with a voice actor called Sean, named called uh, Sean Chiplock. Okay, I'm taking it back. You screwed it all up. I messed His it up. His name is Sean Chiplock. Sean Chiplock. Yeah. Sean Chiplock. Sean Chiplock. Yeah, that is his actual name. That's all I know, because uh, I wasn't there for the interview. So go ahead, take it back. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, He's done some pretty notable things. So uh, one of the things that I really liked about this actor is, you know, we do a lot of local stuff here. 
And this guy was born in Saginaw, or he grew up in Saginaw for most of his life, went to college at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, and then moved to California for voice acting. Mm -hmm. So he's a Michigan native. Um, he hasn't lived here for like six years, but still, he, he's got a lot of Michigan ties. He he made he it still under, counts. He understood the Michigan jokes that I made about the potholes and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's still legit. It's awesome. So uh, when I looked at his resume, what really what really excited me was this guy did the voice for Rash in the Killer Instinct port. So the Battletoads were reported into Killer Instinct, the modern, the HD version. Right. And I love that character. It's my best character in that game. He did the voice for him. And I was like, I have to talk to this guy because yeah. it was but, awesome. I mean, it's, it's literally been the only Battletoads we've received in how many years? And so many, like, many years. So yeah, yeah when, when I heard that, uh, that he voiced a Battletoad, I was like, wait, huh? Yeah. It was how like, can a, it, how could this get any better? We got Battletoads on a classic, didn't we? Yeah, no voice. Yeah, but that's, a, but that's a re release. I'm just saying, Killer Instinct. Yeah, but they're going to say they gave it to us. Uh, whatever. That's just how you they got do a that. point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they do it. Yeah, we gave you Battletoads in 20, 2017. <laughs> yeah, this is like, you know, meeting the cartoon actor from something that you were had in your childhood. He did the voice of a character that I played for months and months and months and loved the character. I've always loved the Battletoads. Like Ruby Roo? Not that. Um, no, he also did some, uh, you're the worst. There's this little game. <laughs> there's this little game that you may have heard of. Um, it's called real tiny. It's a real tiny game. It's called Zelda breath of the wild. <laughs> yeah. Maybe game it, of the year. It, I don't know. It's just, you know, it won a little award called game of the year. Yeah. It may um, have won like a hundred awards, but yeah, you know, and it's counting and it's, you know, it's probably like one of the best selling games of all time. Yeah. Um, maybe the greatest game of all time. It, it very well. Maybe he may have done three voices in this game. Yeah. We're not talking like just not one. We're not talking like. Nobody's like no. nobody voices. Like at first, I was like, "Oh, you found a voice actor for you know uh, one of the guys that stands on the side of the road and yeah. talks to you if you walk up to him." No, no, nope. no. no, no, no. This guy did the Great Deku Tree. First off, that's a that's a huge character. Like, that's good enough right there. That's good enough right but there. We're but we're not done yet. He also did Rivali, yeah, and Tebu. <laughs> so here's a question about uh, Rivali. Mm -hmm. Does that mean he also voiced the DLC? The uh the champ what is it the um what is oh my god I forgot what the DLC is called where where, where you actually oh, you get, get to the play four legendary pack yeah or you whatever. get to play as the uh, the four I believe that would be the case I didn't ask him that um but divine I, beasts divine there it is yes thank you thank you I, was, I, I believe that would be the case I believe Nintendo recorded all the voices for that character and yeah. he's exclusive to that character so in anything he appears in he'll be the voice unless it comes out in the future obviously yeah. so I I would guess so yes yeah. That's awesome. So you think they just call him back up, right? Like, man, no. we got an idea. Maybe. We need you back. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <coughs> oh, excuse me, I'm dying over here. Oh, yeah. you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I have to clear my throat sometimes too when I do some good voice acting. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, in this interview, you're going to hear some awesome voices. This guy is incredibly talented. He did a bunch of stuff off off uh, air. And he did a bunch of voices on the interview. So you guys are going to hear the great Deku tree. You're going to hear Rivali. You're going to hear Tebu. You're going to hear uh, Rash. He did all the great voices. Um, he even showed us some voices that he was working on or like how, how to change your voice. He went into a lot of detail. This guy is, in, like I said, incredibly talented, incredibly motivated. Very, very cool guy. Um, we had a lot of fun with him. Uh, we, even, we even took some shots. It was awesome. He's, a, he's an awesome guy. Sweet. Well, let's not waste any more time. You don't want to listen to us. You want to listen to Sean Chiplock. We're going to get into this interview right now. Hello, GameZilla Maniacs. This is 8 Steve bringing you another exclusive interview for GameZilla Alpha. I'm here today with a fellow Michigander, Sean Chiplock. He's a voice actor and anime voice actor. 
in the big industry of voice, right? Yes. Right, Sean? The, the, big, the big industry of voice. The big industry of voice. The voice of over. I just made that up I'm, right now. I'm over-voicing right now. <laughs> There's normal voicing, but I over-voice. I'm a voiceover. Hey, that's fantastic. Yes. So uh, thanks for being here, Sean. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah, I, uh, I found out that oh, we're here at ShootoCon, by the way, uh, 2018. Yes. Uh, it's in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, yep. Seems like a pretty cool con so far. We just walked around. I've never been to this con before. Is this your first time here? This is my first time here. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty enjoyable so far. I'm actually quite uh, enthusiastic and and quite enjoying the the level of entertainment, the level, I'm trying to think, engagement that the fans are having here. There's a lot more people cosplaying than I expected, which is also kind of, it's really neat to see in a, in a state like Michigan because most of my time here has always been just dealing with like the cold weather and the fact fact that places are a lot more spread out than in California where they're a lot more condensed or there's mm-hmm. a lot a lot of different communities all merging together so seeing so many different fans just really busted out for a convention like this is a good change of pace I like it yeah uh, there's been a lot of convention activity in the last several years here Yumacon's a really big anime convention yes. in November yes I went to that last year and it was huge uh, I, I was pretty shocked honestly uh, I've never I, I like a, a lot of the popular animes but I've never been into like real indie stuff so mm-hmm. stuff here I, I have no idea what most of the characters are to be honest with you I'm into video games right. mostly I'm but. still that kind of person when they say like Bakemonogatari I'm like Gazunai did you sneeze I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So it's it's nice to know that uh, not every uh, voice actor that's in the anime industry knows every single anime. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I'm an, I'm an anime enthusiast. Don't get me wrong, but I'm definitely not the person who goes out. I'll, I'll look at like the the hot list of what's you know what's worth being on your radar from season to season. But just either as a result of my personal interests or my career keeping my time busy, I don't always have the chance to watch all of the newest anime that's coming out. But I do have a close friend who's also named Sean, by the way, hmm. uh, Sean Lazarus. He frequently travels to Japan and he's kind of like my anime hookup guy ah. like he's the one who's like yo dude this new anime that just came out you have to make sure you check it and I, I trust him like <laughs> when he gives me recommendations I almost always end up enjoying it he's the one that introduced my my wife and myself to Made in Abyss are you guys familiar with that anime I am not no um, it's not very long you can binge watch it all in a single night because um, I think it's 12 13 episodes so like 6 8 hours um, but I will warn you it is Dark and at times very graphic. That sounds right up my alley. So, to be honest with you, yeah. Uh, one day watch all the whole thing. Dark. That sounds. It's perfect. it's it's not like explicit. It's not like like you know adults only type of stuff. But it was a case where I saw that another convention was uh, showing a couple episodes of it during the day, and I went up to the staff. And I was like, "Hey, uh, you you guys know that? Um, here's some things you should be aware of <laughs> that are in this show." Before so you, you were go you sh- were the censorship uh, that day. I w- I was the um, optimistic but wary informant <laughs> who made sure that the convention did not get fined. Yes. I'm sure they appreciate that a lot, Sean. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, like I said earlier, you're, you're from Michigan. You grew up in Saginaw, right? Yes, okay. I did. I spent pretty much from the end of second grade until college I spent in Saginaw. Um, then I moved out. Well, I didn't move out. I went to Kalamazoo for college at Western Michigan University. Obviously, family was still back in Saginaw. And then shortly after graduation, I moved out to California, where I've been living since. Why the move to California? Better opportunities there? It was pretty clear cut in that uh, if you want to do voice... Okay, so 
Uh, we'll probably touch base on this a couple of times, but as the internet has grown, there are more opportunities than ever before to do stuff online. Like if we're talking like either new grounds in terms of like flash animations or just independent student films, there's stuff online. Um, if you think of sites like Voice123, where there's a lot of corporate or business narrations, those can typically be done online. But when it comes down to like the main entertainment media when you're talking cartoons with Cartoon Network Nickelodeon Disney if you're talking video games for Sony Nintendo Microsoft uh, if you're talking anime dubs whether it's Bang Zoom Funimation whatever you they all have their own established studios and they are going to want to have everyone recorded when you think of games that have casts of between 5 and 50 people you know if you think of something like Monster Hunter World which had a bunch of voiced characters in it they're going to want consistency and consistency means doing it at their studio and if you're going to do it at your studio you're going to want to use people who are local to that studio just on a on a uh, punctuality sense you want people who can drive to your studio on a moment's notice or at least you can you know they don't have to drive that far to get to you and on a cost uh, uh, piece because as actors we don't want to spend $500 on a plane flight for a session that may only pay 400 and as a studio you don't want to pay the flights and hotel accommodations for 20 different actors to get your show made. It, it would be way too prohibitively expensive. So if I wanted to do that work, I had to go where the work was. So it was pretty easy for me. It was, all right, well, if you want to do voiceover, then as soon as you're done with college, you better get to where the work is, uh, both to be local and because that just means more opportunities will be out there. Clients, workshops, opportunities to learn uh, that just wasn't offered in Michigan because there wasn't an industry for it. There's, there aren't a lot of people in this state, just speaking matter of factually, that are actively looking for that type of industry work. Well... I don't think it was too hard for you to go out to sunny California and move away from the ice and snow of Michigan. Actually, well, I will say the benefit was um, if my car gets destroyed in California, there's probably another person I can sue over that. You can't really serve <laughs> a subpoena to Mother Nature in Michigan. That's true. It doesn't it doesn't work very well. Um, <laughs> however, one of the most painful things I learned quickly after coming to California was when I was in Michigan, it was like, oh, man, thank goodness, you know, there's a, a McDonald's that's open 24-7 for my late night hunger pains. Um, um, but when I go to California, you know, the city of industry, everything's going to be open all the time. And then I learned instantly that, first of all, between the hours of like 1 and 3 p.m., everyone kind of takes a siesta and like nothing is open while they're all just spending time napping. Really? And then pretty much every place closes by like 9, 30, 10 p.m. Everywhere. Walgreens, McDonald's, whether it's their drive through or something else, everything closes and it just becomes a ghost town, at least where I'm living anyway, which is in like Torrance near uh, Pacific Coast Highway. Um, the only place that is open later than like 10 p.m. is Tacos El Gallito or Tacos Super Gallito, which is, it's a it's a Mexican restaurant and, and taco stand, which is both a blessing and a curse because it means my only food option at 4 o'clock in the morning is tacos, but they're also really good because the other thing about California <laughs> is you have Japanese and Hispanic and American and Taiwanese and Middle Eastern food all combating for the same real estate. So if a new food place is going to open, unless it has a reason to exist and can compete with all these other food places, it's going to die super quick. So the result is that you have 200 food places within five miles of each other that are all really good they're all delicious i'm so, so jealous <laughs> yes i'm so jealous i find myself very often 
what, you know, what are we going to have for dinner? That's always the thing with my with my fiance. What are we going to have for dinner? And it's for someone with my metabolism, where it's breakfast, pre lunch, snack, lunch, second lunch, uh, tied me over until dinner, actual dinner, second dinner, late night snack, second breakfast, second breakfast. <laughs> they all just it's it's oh, that's that's my secret. I'm always hungry. <laughs> well, uh, if I ever move somewhere, it's going to be California now. So you've sold me. Yes. Um, well, let's let's talk about um, before you moved to California when you were growing up. Okay, um, what kind of stuff were you into? What kind of video games were you into? Anime? What got you to want to get here? You know, um, <laughs> some people say this is a blessing. Some people say it makes you boring. But I've always been a person of very consistent tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, Growing up, the first major memory I had was how often I used to play Mega Man 6 on my Nintendo Entertainment System, and my love for Mega Man is something that has never, ever waned. In fact, one of the panels I now present at conventions is specifically, hey, I'm going to teach you how to be a successful person in life by tying it to mechanics from Mega Man Battle Network. That's awesome. Um, My (laughs) love for video games never changed, and I think that's part of why it, like, it may have helped with my connection to voiceover because it's like now I have an excuse to keep playing video games because before, you know, when I played video games, it was just for funsies. Now I get to determine whether it could be a tax write-off if I'm, you know, studying actors' performances. Um, so I've, I still love video games. I still like watching anime. Um, I'm trying to think of my, what were my interests as a child. I was just... I was very internet-focused. Like, I... I <laughs> I would say describing me as an internet junkie is not far from the truth. I spent a lot of time uh, playing MMOs like MapleStory, Tree of Savior, Dragon Nest. Um, I spent a lot of time browsing the internet uh, and a lot of time playing video games. And so it, it never really feels like the younger side of me left. It just sometimes I have less time to do those things. Um, but the fact that I get to, to now directly contribute to the things that I used to enjoy through my career is very fulfilling. It's very exciting. And it also provides me with a challenge because if I enjoyed those games that I played so much in my youth, I want to make sure that anyone who plays games I voice in today can be just as entertained, if not more so. And it, it pushes me to make sure I always give my best effort and my best performance. Well, that's fantastic to hear because uh, a lot of the voices and stuff from th- that era, the 8-bit and 16-bit and 32-bit era, those are very memorable to me because, I, I you know, uh, I'm not... We just we just started talking about this interview pretty recently, so right. I don't know a whole lot about me myself. But I'm a speedrunner, so I, I play video games very very fast. Right, um, and I do a lot of interviews for Games of the Alpha here because uh, if they tie into video games in some form. Mm. Um, but so it's really interesting to me to see uh, somebody who grew up with that stuff now as a voice actor. I you know? apparently was getting engaged with voiceover before I even realized it was a thing. Are you familiar with an old Nintendo 64 game called Bomberman 64, The of, Second Attack? Of course, yes. The sequel? Yes. Oh, surprising. Not many people know about it. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, well, I don't know. I want to test. What was what was Bomberman's partner's name in that game? I'm familiar with the game only because mm-hmm. uh, it was mentioned in another interview. Mm-hmm. That okay. All, that is all I know about okay. it. Okay. Do you, do you... All right. All right. Well, um, in that game, uh, Bomberman has this little partner who a second player can actually control. And so my younger brother and I would play that game all the time. Bless his soul for always being the second player so that I could be the main guy. But 
because there was text in the game and the bosses, you know, each had their own personalities, but obviously, you know, a game of that era didn't have voices um, besides, you know, basic sound effects. We would take turns, like, creating voices for the characters. So, like, the big burly guy would have one voice and the, the skinnier but very sarcastic sly trickster would have his own voice. And without even realizing that this was a thing people did for their careers, we would just take turns doing those voices and get used to them. Um, so, and e- even when I used to play games like Mega Man Legends, Mega Man 64, which was voice acted and had pretty stellar acting for the time, the era in which it came out when for most companies, voice actor was just an afterthought. Um, it, it never really occurred to me that it was people recording that. Like it wasn't some computer program. It was actual people recording those lines. And now I forget what the original question was. But yes, so I was I was always engaged with that early on. And, and it was just something that I was connected to before I really latched onto it. So... Y- uh, the next question was, you know, have you always wanted to do this? And the answer is probably yes. You just didn't know it at the time, right? It's hard to answer. Like, I know that it's something I have always wanted to do since I knew it was a thing. Um, at the time that I discovered it, and this is the time always changes on this, but um, during the time when I discovered voiceover, I was on a very big Neopets kick. Like, Neopets was a huge thing of mine. And the only reason I don't still do it is, again, because I don't I don't have as much free time. But back during, even during college, I was doing my daily stuff on Neopets. Um, and it was around, like, 3-something, 3 3.30 in the morning because Adult Swim was on in the background. And they were uh, constantly advertising their website. And <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, I was. Uh, you were, do you remember those commercials? Like that. That very. Um, I'm. I'm trying to think. It was like a neon palette guy with like very basic drawing going. Adultswim.com. Come check it out. Adultswim.com. And I was. I got so fed up. I got fed up. I was like, you know what? Fuck you. Fine. I'm going. I'll go. I'll check out the site. This better be worth it. And do you remember those old MTV behind the music videos videos where they would have like those little factoid bubbles pop up that yeah. like give you facts about yeah. the artist or the song? Yeah, VH1 like, behind the music. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, oh, VH1. So yeah. there you go. Um, well, they had something like that for an upcoming episode, an ep- uh, upcoming clip from Trinity Blood. And I clicked on it and one of the factoid bubbles actually took me to a different video where Troy Baker, believe it or not, back when the man used to do anime, Troy Baker was in the studio recording for his role as Abel Night Road and they had they had two different cameras. There was one showing Troy Baker standing in the booth, and there was one with his character in the, the screen, the scene that was going on. And as I watch Troy Baker talk, at the same time, this character's lip flaps are moving. And they're not, like, adding any special effects. They're not using, like, a voice changer. And he, it's obviously he's not, like, putting on some weird affect. He's just talking. And watching him talk at the same time the character talks, but wait, he's it's him talking, but his voice is coming through the that's the character talking. This is a thing. This is this is something people do. What is this? <laughs> and it was it was during high school. This was during my junior year of high school, and while I had a lot of stuff that I was decent at, nothing was really sticking to me as I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like I was good at literature, but I didn't feel like, you know, breaking down symbolisms and books for the rest of my life. Math was my friend until pre-calculus, and then we stopped texting each other. Science was fun until it started involving math, and then again, I broke up with them. But voiceover was the first time that something l- jumped out at me and, like, 
didn't immediately just pass by, you know? Something stuck to the spider web of my soul, and and I, I, I just wanted to know. I wanted to know more about this. Whatever this guy was doing in this booth, I wanted to do that too, because is the, the, here's this thing that I can pour... At the time, it was selfish. It was, here's this thing I can... To like drench with all of my energy, pour all of my heart and soul into, or be zany or super loud, and people will pay me for this. I'm gonna find out what this is. And the more I learned about it, the more I just got excited because nowadays I see it as it's a way to have all these adventures that like aren't possible in real life. My character Zink in Fairy Fencer F, when you meet him, he's trying to get a grandfather and his daughter to fight each other to his death. And when the grandfather refuses and actually commits suicide so he won't have to, Zenk says, all right, grab him, chop him up so I can force feed him to his daughter. That's how you meet Zenk. And if I tried to do that in real life, uh, I probably wouldn't be here for the no, interview. definitely not. Uh, maybe at the state penitentiary or maximum security prison. Yeah, we don't do interviews there. I, I imagine that would have made things a little difficult. Mm-hmm. But in voiceover, I get money for that. That's incredible. It's like any time. Uh, sure, there's times where I'll be challenged to do characters that are very nuanced, and it's in- exciting to explore those vulnerable parts of myself. But the times when I just get to let loose and go nuts, the parts with uh, one of my upcoming anime roles where I'm screaming bloody murder for 90 seconds straight, and I got a paycheck for that? That's amazing. My neighbors do that all the time. They do not get paid for it. I, I It still happens when I audition for roles and I have to be really noisy and my, my neighbors knock on my wall because they're clearly ticked off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my defense is, uh, quiet hours are at 10 p.m. Sorry, but you have no legal basis, you know, to be <laughs> mad at me right now. But in a studio, it doesn't matter. Like, they'll tell me if they need it louder or need it softer, but that's what they're going for. And that's so fun to me. It seems super fun, honestly. Uh, I had a similar effect that you had where I didn't really realize that these these voice actors from my youth, like uh, from Batman the Animated Series right. or you know Teen Titans, I heard all these voices and I was, a, I was a kid or Sonic, you know, Julio White. Right. I didn't realize that these were people. And uh, it wasn't until I was way older I was like, holy crap, I heard that voice before. Who is that? Yeah. Oh, that's Harley Quinn or that's Batman. Yeah. So... It's really cool to see that you had a similar experience, but way earlier, and then you you latched onto it, and you're like, "I'm doing this. I'm right? going for it." And the cool part is now that you're in voiceover, now or now that I'm in voiceover, you know, I can go back to these old games that had voice acting, and if there's something that I really liked about the way a character was performed, now I can steal it. Like I can add it to my own repertoire. <laughs> there's this game called. Um, Jay Cocoon 2. Have you heard of that game? I have not. All right. Now I'm less surprised. Um, But (laughs) Jay Cocoon 2 was unique in that it was a PlayStation 2 game, but every single line of dialogue in that game was voiced. And I mean from NPCs, from main characters, every line that had text was voiced. And there's this this professor in one of the areas of the game named uh, Dr. Gill. And Dr. Gill is very, he's, he's very enthusiastic about the way that he talks, but he's not, like, loud in his enthusiasm. He's just, I'm a scholar who's impressed by everything. <laughs> and I loved the way that he talked. And you could, you could see, like, I've been trying to find ways to adapt that. So when there's roles that come up where there's someone who's, like, a scholar who maybe is a little bit more energetic, you know, I'll do one where maybe they're super hyper energy like I am, but then I'll do one where maybe they're just very studious, but they, they keep calm, but they're also very very excited at the same time and that's my way of exploring new character types by going back to these games that I used to love and now I'm, I'm helping them be immortal by borrowing from them for my own skill set that's amazing that's absolutely amazing and that kind of the question that I always have and uh, I had thought about you probably get asked this a lot but 
I, how does it work? Like you, so you you have like an agent, and you and you and he applies you to jobs, or is there like a central website where you can find things that are available? How do people find you, or how do you find work in this industry? The answer to all those that you said was yes. Okay, <laughs> so everything, no, literally everything. Because here is the thing: voice actors want to work. I know, big surprise. Oh my god, <laughs> you know, podcast exclusive. Yes. Um, you heard but, it here first, people. But because that work comes from different places, there's different ways that it happens. And that's why when people ask, how do I get into voiceover? The answer is, I don't know. Like, none of us know. Many, many of us, like, sometimes I don't even know how I get the work that I do. Like, I'll get repeat work from clients, and I'll be like, how do they remember I exist? But <laughs> so to answer your, your question more specifically, so um, my agency, SBV Talent, does send me auditions, but they typically only do union stuff. So, like, union work. Okay. Um, when I back when I did uh, when I was with studios that do non-union work, uh, if I'm still able to do work for them, they'll send that through the studio itself. So, for example, someone may get uh, union auditions through their agency, but they may get other auditions for an anime through Bang Zoom, or they may get video game auditions through uh, Cup of Tea, which is the video game uh, company that's localizing it. Okay. Um, whereas the commercials and the promos would actually come from the agencies themselves. Um, and then even beyond that, whether it's from the agency or the company, sometimes stuff is just online. Like, there are plenty of cases where I go to casting sites like Voice123 or if it's for a fan project, you know, voice acting club, and I look or am notified about those casting calls and I submit my auditions in. And often that's just the client themselves, the person actually promoting the product, has gone onto a casting site, written up an audition spec, and it gets sent out to their members. So all of these different facets are all ways in which we can find work. And again, where you live can determine how much of it you can do. For example, I can be in Michigan and still do those online freelance jobs, but I'm not going to be able to do the the local video game and animation jobs that I'm mentioned previously right and those are bigger right those, those are no i mean bigger varying for example obviously breath of the wild was a really really big game yeah, absolutely. Um, worldwide but it wasn't it didn't pay as much as say a uh i did a national spot for a phone app for like uh logging your driving miles and stuff like mm -hmm. that the broadcast licensing payment from that check was more than I got paid for the biggest Nintendo Switch release of 2017. Game of the year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it, it varies widely. Commercials are most people, that's how people pay their rent is commercials and promos. Like when you think of like the Geico voice, whoever does the voice of the Gecko for Geico, yeah. I guarantee you a healthy, healthy chunk of his entire income from the year comes from just doing those spots for the licensing and the broadcasting. So, yeah, but it, it runs the whole gamut. It runs from from independent clients to the, the companies that are localizing it to the agencies that get audition sides from the networks. Um, yeah, so they're all different ways of getting auditions. Wow, that sounds actually like a lot of work to it is. get work. It's incredibly you know? self-driven, and that's why a cliche phrase that's often said is, if you'd rather be doing anything else, go do that instead because as an actor I am responsible for my own amount of growth if there's something that I think I'm falling short on like ooh, you know I could stand it to be better about really subtle or nuanced characters you know I do high energy characters really well but maybe I struggle with characters who have to be very real mm -hmm. then it's up to me to look for teachers and workshops that will help me work on that 
Um, obviously, you're not going to book any of the auditions that you don't send out stuff for. Um, but it can be really daunting to send out like like for every one role that you guys see me get to talk about on social media, there is a literal or figurative graveyard of maybe forty or fifty roles across anime, video games, uh, business narrations, um, commercials, stuff like that of stuff that I sent out for and never heard back. And it can get really stressful. And so just tying back to the previous question you asked real quick, like, has this something you've always wanted to do? There are still days when I feel just not in it. Like when I wake up and I'm just not feeling good or I'm struggling with an audition and I think to myself, what the hell am I doing? Like, am I, am I actually intended to do this or am I just stuck to it because I've been doing it for 10, 11 years and if I were to stop, I'd have nothing to my name anymore because mm-hmm. like I said, that's me. I play video games, I voice act, I watch anime. Those are my core three. Um... Uh, but every time I have that question or I think about what if I stopped, I realize that there's always going to be another project or another show that I see. And I just go, you know, if it's already out, I go, man, I wish I could have been a part of that. Or if it's announced, I'm like, God, I hope I get auditions for that. That would be so cool. You know, if I stopped voice acting, I wouldn't have been around when the Legend of Zelda auditions came out. When Legend of Zelda finally got its first canon voice acting. Uh, and now I'm in it. I'm in it. That's it's permanently a part of my resume. You're not just in it once. You have three voices in that. Three that, voices yeah. of completely different character types in the biggest Nintendo game of 2007. Well, except Super Mario Odyssey. Let's not discount that. Right. It but won game of the year. I mean, that's a huge thing. It's right. So <clears throat> if I had given up on myself, I wouldn't have been around for that. I never would have had a shot in the first place. So that excitement, that that eagerness of you don't even know what's coming down the line, is what keeps me in this. It reminds me that you will only continue to get better. You'll you'll inspire other people the way that Troy Baker inspired you. And the better you get, the more chances you'll have to get in all this really cool stuff and get to chop up grandfathers and feed them to their daughters. You yeah, know? you make it sound awesome. <laughs> okay, so a couple a couple of the ones that I noticed. Uh, so you have a, a pretty long resume. Um, I have it printed over here, but I, uh, I'm not as big into anime as some people, so a lot of the stuff I didn't I mean, recognize. Ironically, most of my resume is in video games. I actually looked at my behind the voice actors. Uh, have you heard of that website, by yes, the way? Yes, that's where I was. That's, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, mean this you one? probably just brought it up. Yeah, there yes, you go. So I often have to reference it because I forget what I've been in. But um, <laughs> my, there's, a, there's some people I know who they have much, much bigger anime portfolios. Um, mine has mostly been video games, but I'm hoping with up the upcoming uh, ReZero role that maybe I'll, I'll get some more shots. But anyway. Anyway, please proceed. Okay, so yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a second here. So the ones that I know of are the Sword Art Online, um, Diabell. Uh, yep, Diabell. Yep. And uh, obviously, this one is really big. I, I played this game so much when I was a kid. Okay, and then the to have they have the H. I was so surprised because the HD remake I haven't played yet. Okay, um, uh, I'm actually going to play it next week at PAX. I'm actually go ahead, go ahead. So he did a voice for Secret of Mana. The, the the re-release, which was Dialuck, which is, is like a he's like a knight that's uh, yes. in love with one of the characters, main characters of the show, yes. right? And or the show, the game, the game. Um, and so I was I was very excited to see you do the voice deck because now I get to play it and I get to hear your voice after interviewing you. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah. And then obviously we talked about the Breath of the uh, Breath of the Wild. He did the Deku Tree. He did Tiba and Rivali. Yes. Which is awesome uh i'm gonna go back and check those voices when i get home yeah and then this is the big one for me uh i've always been a battletoads <laughs> fan i've been a battletoads fan since i was a little kid and 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 everyone that knows me knows this uh sean did the voice of rash 
in the Killer Instinct port. I, so. I don't want to blow out the mic, so I'll be like, I'm crashing this party. Yeah, boy. <laughs> I didn't so, ask for that, but you know that's why? Awesome. You know what? No matter how much I asked them, GameStop would not sell me Battletoads. Like, really? I, I asked them around the time that I recorded for that. They refused to tell me about their hidden stash. But uh, by the time, by the time, uh, what was it? What was it called? PlayStation Replay or something like yeah. that? Um, by the time that came out, you know, now it was available and I wasn't interested anymore. So <laughs> I just wanted it. Now, now I'm going for Bambi 2. I'm really looking for Bambi 2. Yeah? Yeah. One of these days, I will find a I will find a GameStop location that will sell me Bambi too. So help me God! <laughs> but funny story about Killer Instinct Rash. Hit me. Um, when the audition included, uh, they wanted us to do ad libbing for like the pause menu music, like just doing like air guitar, you know, stuff that oh, sort okay. of thing. And that was part of the final recording because I think it's like one of his taunts or something like that, where he just kind of beatboxes to the pause theme. Well, in the original game, when you pause it, it has a beatbox sound. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. So anyway. <laughs> During the actual recording process, they told me, just go ahead and give us some beatbox. And I started out with basic beatboxing, and it got gradual and more gradual, and then I started air guitaring to the song, and like, literally, I'm just rocking out in this booth for about close to a minute and a half, two minutes, and... I only stop once I actually like kind of ran out of breath and had nowhere else to go because I, I literally ended with like that and I was like that was just done and I said did you guys get enough do we need to do another take and the guy beeps and he goes uh, actually we had everything we needed after the first 10 seconds but you were so enthusiastic that we didn't want to stop we just <laughs> we just decided we were going to let you go and, and when you were done you were done so Wow. That was, that was, I don't know how much of it they used, but there is probably somewhere in those archives a two minute segment of me just completely decimating the, the pause theme, the pause beatbox. With that my- sounds awesome. I wish, I wish you had that recording. And, uh, cause if you had that, you could use it for stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yep. oh, that's an amazing thing to, to have. Yeah. I'm super thankful for YouTube Let's Plays for that reason because, um, it's not uncommon for a lot of folks to, like, if we're putting together a video game demo to showcase our skills, we may look for, like, actual published roles of ours that we can take lines from and before the advent of uh uh or before the frontier of youtube let's plays you didn't really have a you had to like use screen capture software and that was out of the price point for a lot of us but now there's a lot of let's players who just let cutscenes play out uninterrupted and i can i can pull the video and like pull the audio out of that and i've got crisp clean fresh audio as long as the company allows me to use it right. that i can put into my demo reel and be like here's a character i played Here's their line from the actual game, you know, that was that was sold to the the audience at large. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's weird to think about. I always assumed that you would get like when you did a voiceover, they'd give you like a CD nope. or like they don't give you anything. We didn't get anything. So you just talk, they pay you, and they're like, get the, the heck out of here. The only time I've ever gotten free swag from a company that I did voices for was when I uh, recorded for Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold Steel, which mm-hmm. I voiced the lead role, Lean, uh, Reen Schwarzer. Lean Schwarzer. <laughs> oh God, people! Anyone who hears this who's a Trails fan, they know that I'm a total meme lord. They're gonna make something about that. <laughs> they're gonna make just like a skinny bean pull of, of Reen Schwarzer going, "I need food." Anyway, um, uh, Exceed is very, very committed to the games that they taught, that they publish, that they license, that they localize, and so they wanted to thank me for doing so many lines as Reen Schwarzer, and they gave me a copy of the limited edition of the game, which I still bought several copies to you know give away to people. But that's the only time that a company has ever given me free copies of the stuff that I voice in. Otherwise, it's it's all out of my own pocket. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like I said, it would seem to me that. Uh 
as a part of the contract or whatever, you would get a copy of those things nope. for, for use in future things. No, nope. huh? they're just they're paying you for the rights to use the audio that you record. And once you're done recording, that's the extent of their contract with you. Wow. All right, let's talk about this uh, Subaru Natsuki. Uh, Subaru Natsuki from Natsuki. ReZero, starting life in another world. Hit me. So, have you heard of the series before? I have not. No. So ReZero is about it's it's an isekai. Uh, isekai meaning uh, another world, or basically the premise is someone from our world gets sucked into a completely different world, another often dimension. like an MMO. Uh, for example, maybe a, a realistic example is a recovery of an MMO junkie because it takes place in the real world, but the person plays an MMO a lot. Oh, or okay. Konosuba is an example of an isekai. ReZero is an example of an isekai. Um, technically maybe Inuyasha could be considered an isekai because Kagome does go to this completely alternate or no that was a different time period so maybe I don't know but generally it's just if a character from one world goes to a different world goes to a virtual world that exists inside that original world um, or just a completely different world in a different dimension it's, okay. it's just it's a different world the okay. laws are different there how stuff operates is different there okay um, so in ReZero this boy Subaru Natsuki gets pulled into this completely different world uh, where magic happens and there's anthros and it just it's completely different laws. They have like dragon drawn carriages and stuff like that. Awesome. And while he's trying to figure out what to do, he gets murdered. And he suddenly reappears at the shop that he first went to early on when he was pulled into this world. So he's like, what the heck happened? So he tries stuff different this time. You know, he's like, why are these events happening again? Sort of like a Groundhog Day thing. And he goes to try and protect someone because he realizes what's going to happen. And he dies in the process of helping her. And he shows back up at the shop. So we quickly learn that every time he dies, he goes back to a checkpoint in, in a place of time. It's the same place. He's not in a different timeline of that world. It's the same point from before. But only he has any knowledge of everything that transpired up before he died. The problem being that um, no one else knows, obviously, and death is very real like when he dies like if he gets disemboweled if he gets his throat slit he feels all of that pain it's everything that you would normally feel up to the point of you taking your last breath and passing on the only difference being at that moment when we would consider a person dead he goes back to that previous point in time that's amazing yes it's very pain it's it's a great show it's to die for um but again and again but um so i'm very very excited for that show one because it's the the first time i've had a lead role in an anime um and just a character that is so central to the anime as a whole but because of how challenging it was on my throat imagine for an anime that involves a lot of death and dying and like getting attacked and and fighting there's all kinds of screams there's all kinds of like i'm coughing up my own blood or i'm throwing up it's it's very very intense and it gets very dark at times um but i had an absolute blast like again it's one of those things where every time i'm presented with that sort of challenge instead of getting worried i'm like let's fucking go let's do it let's i'm so <laughs> excited um there was a fun just to give a brief story there was one part where we were going towards the end of a session and we'd been doing a lot of vocally stressful lines and i was i was worn out like when you when you shout a lot and when you're acting angry or acting very sad when you commit to it your brain tricks itself into feeling that way so after a scene of just crying a lot i'm just like i don't i don't want to be here i want to be home in bed <laughs> with my stuffed animals and we get to a scene where the opening theme from the anime starts playing during one of the, the scenes in the anime. And the second wind just rushes through me, like completely reignites the fire that's in my heart. And I look at my director through the camera. I was like, 
keep going do this scene. He's like, are you sure? And I said, yes, I am in the zone right now. And I went from being completely exhausted to having all the energy in the world. We were nailing lines on like their first take. We were nailing screams without my voice cracking. It was wonderful. And that, that same kind of like invigoration is a big part of the character. So I'm, I'm very eager for people to finally get to see it. I think the dub is premiering on the 30th at SakuraCon. Um, and then the physical DVDs are coming out on June 19th this year. I'm going to have to check that out. That's probably something that I wouldn't have watched, but now that I know that you're in it and the, the enthusiasm that you I have here. Super pro- I super I know. I, I want to check it out. I binged watched the series twice. I saw it once while I was in Japan in 2016, back when it was it was airing in Japan. It was really, really instantly popular. And then I binged watched it again, all over again, when I had gotten the casting notification so that I'd seen the whole series before I went into record. So there was not a single scene in that anime that I didn't know perfectly what was going on, what the relationship was. Um, and it was a lot. It was a challenge. And, and I'm sure that there may be a line or two. I'm like, oh, I wish I could have done it this way instead. But all the all the important cases where it had to be perfect, it was. And I'm, I'm really hoping the audience feels the same way. Well, GameZilla listeners, check that out. It's called Subaru Natsuki, right? It's called ReZero. It is ReZero, starting life in another world. And Subaru Natsuki is the main character. Is the character, yes. My apologies. So check that out. Um, definitely go on, what's that website, this one here? Uh, BehindTheVoiceActors.com. BehindTheVoiceActors.com. It has a whole list of everything that Sean has, so check that out. But we're going to move on. Uh, so this may, be a, this may be a redundant question. So what's the favorite, your, your most favorite thing that you've done so far? See, that's a hard question for me to answer because every role to me has something that makes it important to me. Um, for example, obviously, you could tell I'm very enthusiastic about Subernowski just because of yes. how challenging. My throat muscles actually strengthened. Like if you think like a gym workout, they were worked out and strengthened because of uh, the work that I had to do uh, on ReZero. But Diabelle was still important to me. Diabelle from Sword Art Online, because even though it was a bit role it was for a single episode, it was the first time that a role I had done was being broadcast on TV on Toonami. Um, and uh, that was really meaningful to me because it was like I used to grow up watching Toonami when we you know when awesome. what led me to AdultSwim.com was listening to Full Metal Alchemist as it was airing on the Toonami evening block. And so that was my case of being like, hey, I can actually do this. You know, I can be on a show that's broadcast to people who watch Adult Swim like I used to watch Adult Swim and still do. Thank God for Toonami being brought back. Um, uh, Zenk, again, is meaningful to me because when I first got into voiceover, it was because of the idea of getting to play really high-energy, crazy characters. And Zenk was a case where the crazier, the more bloodthirsty I sounded, the more the director loved it. And that worked out well. Um, I'm trying to think of... Kasim, Kasim from Moggy Labyrinth of Magic was important because uh, almost in a weird sort of way, uh, I was able to take some of the bitterness that, or some of the jealousy that I used to have in, in my real life and apply it to a character. Um, Reen Schwarzer was important, being the first lead role that I'd ever had, period. And even smaller roles, I'm trying to think of, I, can I grab the, yeah, the yeah. sheets from you real quick there and look go. through here? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. This is how it's bad I am. Memory lane. <laughs> memory lane. Um, Kasim, Hera, Karoma. Let's look at our video games. Uh, Monotaro. Monotaro from Danganronpa V3 Killing Harmony. He was really important because um, uh, he was an adaptation of a character voice that I had. There was a character I did named uh, Fatigue for the Bedfellows. And I don't know if I can do it right now because my throat's torn out. But, oh, that's fine. Oh, Fatigue is always super happy and joyous in everything that he does. Wow. But if you take Fatigue's voice and you remove the British... 
and you make him a little bit more robotic, now you have Monotaro from uh, from Danganronpa. Wow. So it was taking a character voice that I already knew and adapting it to fit a new character's specs. And even within uh, Breath of the Wild, Rivali, Deku Tree, and Teba were all important to me for very different reasons. Deku Tree was my chance to show off more of my range to the audience because he's a very low and very wise character. And not a lot of people have heard me do that sort of thing. And it was cool because in order to be Deku Tree, in order to hit that voice consistently, I had to be relaxed. I had to be zen the entire time. So it was a lesson in not letting myself get tensed up and playing those calmer, wiser roles. Teba was a chance for me to be proud of myself because Teba, uh, in the same series that Fatigue was in, there's also a character named Sheen. He's just angry all the time. Like, God damn it, I fucking hate this shit. <laughs> well, if you take Sheen's anger and you make his anger into bitterness instead of rage, that's how you end up with Teba. Because Teba just, he wants to protect his village, but he's, he's mad because these monsters took stuff that means stuff to his people. They threaten his village. And so when Teba first showed up, I knew in my head what, he, what I wanted him to sound like, and the director loved it as was. Teba is a character where there were no changes made between what I offered and what the company decided to go with. Teba's voice is 100% my creation with wow. no tweaks. And I'm proud of that, especially for a game that big. It should be. That's awesome. Ravali, on the other hand... I thought he was going to be easy for me to portray because I'm really good at playing sarcastic assholes, but he was extremely frustrating, true to his character, because what I had in mind wasn't quite in line with what Nintendo wanted, so we had to start from square one, and it was so aggravating trying to nail exactly what they wanted. I actually ended up crying to my mentor over the phone during one of the first breaks we took because I loved this character, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to give him the performance that I wanted him to have. But it was important to me because as as frustrating and aggravating as that was, I loved Rivali so much that I refused to give up on him. I refused to be like, you know what, maybe I'm not the best fit for this character. And that forced me to come back in ready to play around and listen and rely and trust, uh, rely on and trust that my director wanted only the best out of me and was going to help guide me to that. So even if Rivali was more of the, the combined efforts of my director and the sound team than my own performance, I still still had to be there to deliver the character and I know that I took part in it. So all of these roles, no matter how big or how small, have something that I either learned or that I was able to feel accomplished about or provided a new challenge. They all have provided something to my career that I can learn from and reflect on. And so there isn't one that I that I, is a personal favorite, but there are different reasons why something is meaningful to me. Well, that's good to hear. Um it, it would it would be shocking to me if you had a favorite. You seem very enthusiastic about everything that you do, and that's a very good trait to have right. in this industry. And it makes the character sound awesome. Like I can tell um, you right now, like I play I play Mamoru and uh, uh, Hitsuka or Chiharu in Mary Skelter, which is a dungeon crawler, and neither of them are very big roles. Like like compared to something like Breath of the Wild or Persona Five, they're pretty much nothing. Mm-hmm. But they're also also my favorite roles because I'm in a dungeon crawler and dungeon crawlers are my favorite genre of game in existence and I'm just nuts about the fact that I can play a dungeon crawler and hear myself in that so that's why those are meaningful to me even in terms maybe they're not anything special in terms of performance but I'm in a freaking dungeon crawler man (laughs) alright so next one (laughs) Uh, you may get asked this a lot as well so sorry if this is a repeat thing for you but 
When you go into these uh, recording sessions, have you met any other famous voice actors? It's very uncommon, actually. Um, If you get into Western animation or what we call prelay, it's much more common because with prelay animation, all the voice actors deliver the script first so that the animators have something to work around. And that also gives us more freedom because if we act really zany in a line, in fact, the more... uh, the more, I won't, I won't say exaggerated, but the more clear a character's disposition is when you perform the line in prelay, the easier it is for animators to work around that, to, to stretch or squash their uh, expressions and such. Right. But in video games and anime, it's extremely solitary. Um, often, and I'm talking about this doesn't matter whether it's Nintendo or whether it's uh, an anime or a different video game for a different company. What typically happens is I will be given a session time, maybe 2 to 4. I come into the studio around 1.30, 1.45. Maybe I'll get a chance to talk to the director. But at 2, I go in the booth, just me. Whatever format the script is in, it's on the screen in front of me. The director and the sound team can see me through a window, and we work through the lines. Um, And I don't have anyone else in the booth with me. And so the only times that I will cross paths... Excuse me. No problem. These other actors is if we happen to cross paths while we're swapping sessions. Like if their session is at four, and so I'm getting out of mine, and I say, hey, on my way out. But... It's not very common that we get to spend a lot of time together. Even uh, in terms of Breath of the Wild, when uh, the only time I saw Joe Hernandez, who was Daruk's voice actor, um, was when we were swapping sessions, or if he came in while I was waiting for mine and he needed to sign something or whatever before he headed out. We saw each other more often as a result of being colleagues at Disneyland, uh, since we both worked for Turtle Talk. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that. that was more common than in the voiceover industry. So conventions or prelay animation are probably our best chance to to hook up with other voice actors or check in with them and see what's going on. Do you guys have like a voice actors club, like a Facebook group or like a forum or something like that? We, that you- I don't know if professional voice I, okay, this is weird for me to to explain. There are groups on Facebook, yes. Like, there's, uh, there are groups that, you know, uh, amateur or non-union voice actors join, like the Voice Acting Club forums, mm-hmm. which veterans like myself or Kira, Bluck- uh, Kira Buckland, Kira Buckland um, <laughs> we act as moderators. We also check out the site and help people out who are trying to get into the industry. Right. And, of course, there's going to be, you know, Facebook groups for people who want to negotiate contracts or who just want to talk about, hey, what should I be charging for convention appearances and stuff like that. Um I don't know if there's actual, like, club clubs. When you think of, like, a D&D group that meets up yeah. um, or, like, a gaming culture club, you know, maybe there's voice actors who get together to play D&D, but I don't know if there's any actual in-real-life clubs that just meet up to discuss voiceover. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I was more referring to, like, do you guys have a social place where you guys can talk to each other or maybe, like, hey, let's go have lunch or, like, hey, I know you, you're a voice actor, mutual yeah, respect say, kind of thing? I'd say no different than any other people. If it's in terms of, like, meetups and making lunch, it's just a matter of, like, making a Facebook event or something like that and then inviting people. Right. Um, but if it's to discuss stuff, yeah. I mean, Facebook groups exist, Twitter conversations exist. It's, I, I guess the best answer is, yes, they exist, but they're no more different or special than your typical how other people would make clubs and groups and stuff like that. Okay. I'm really interested to hear the answer on this one. So what is what is something, a franchise that you probably haven't worked on that you really want to work on or something you want to break into? So part of how I stay interested in voiceover is that I always set new goals for myself. Mm-hmm. When I started in VO, like 10 years ago, when I posted on Newgrounds going, I want to be a voice actor, <laughs> the one thing I said is be f- I can't believe my bar was set so low. I said, (laughs) before I die, I want to voice in an anime. And honest to God, 
actual broadcast anime. That was it. Not not a lead role. Not like you know the the tie the title character. I just wanted to be a role in an anime. So obviously that was met when I did Diabelle for Sword Art Online. Right. Um. So then when it moved on, it was like you know I want to see if I can get into video games more often. Or the next major goal became I want to get a lead role, like I'm a young male hero protagonist. And that eventually happened with Rain Schwarzer from Trails of Cold Steel. So like now I want to see if I can do the same thing for anime, which finally happened thanks to ReZero and voicing Subaru Natsuki. So now, my current goal is, as I mentioned before, I'm really, really big on dungeon crawlers. And while I voiced uh, some side characters NPCs in Mary Skelter, I always enjoy in dungeon crawlers when you create your party member and you get to set like their name, their age, their character art, and then there's usually a place where you can set their voice type. Um, or even in franchises like Etrian Odyssey. Recent Etrian Odyssey games like Etrian Odyssey Untold 1 and 2 had, you could either play classic where it was just like that, or a story mode which had voice acting by the characters. Or Etrian Odyssey 5, even though it didn't have a, a story mode in terms of your party, the characters that you interact with in the main plot, they also had voice acting included. So my current goal is I would love to be in a in a mainline franchise, whether it's Demon Gaze, Etrian Odyssey, just any major dungeon crawler as either a voice option for a party member or as a main story character. Um, and again, that's just because I because my types of games are don't align with the games I typically play. Like I voiced in Breath of the Wild, but I haven't found time to play it. I voiced in Persona 5, but it, that style of RPG or like the way the mechanics work around Demon Fusion, it doesn't jive with me, so I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. So the games I do play, Dungeon Crawlers and RPGs, I don't usually also happen to voice in them. So that's something I want to change. I would really love to be able to play a game that I actually voice in and be like, eh, it's me. <laughs> well, if you're listening to the GameZilla podcast and you're familiar with Sean Chiplock and you are a person in the industry that has a dungeon crawler, please contact us and we'll get you in touch with That's them. part of looking for those opportunities. You, I mentioned earlier about Voice Acting Club. Uh, there was a person who was making a their own independent dungeon crawler game called Infinite Adventures. Um, that, and they posted an audition thread on the Voice Acting Club forums and I was like, I'm in. I'm going to audition for that. <laughs> I'm on it. And I did. I mean, I wasn't expecting, I'm not assuming that I'm going to get a, a part, but it was one of those cases where I am absolutely going to try out for that. And I did book a role, and I also got a chance where they were looking for people to voice uh, character archetypes, like the heroic male voice, the effeminate male voice, yeah. the slime male voice. So I got to do a little bit of both. So it wasn't for an official, if we're talking like AAA, like Atlas or NAS America game, but it was for a dungeon crawler, and that's, that's enough for me. Like... <laughs> doesn't matter that it wasn't a huge paycheck. I got to be in a dungeon crawler, and that's freaking hype as hell. Uh, we, we, yeah, that is hype, actually. So we talked, we talked about this before the podcast a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you told me, I, I asked you, you know, if we can, you could tell us about your upcoming projects, and your answer was basically... Um, yeah. When it comes to talking about upcoming stuff that hasn't been announced yet, the way it usually works is if I'm allowed to talk about it, I have already put it on my social media just because I'm super hype as hell. Like when I finally got to talk about being super Natsuki, I I spent like 500 bucks to promote the tweet just to make sure that people would see it. Um, <laughs> but if I haven't talked about something guaranteed it's because I'm still under NDA which for those who don't know is a non-disclosure agreement it's a contract between you and the company that says in exchange for us giving you info about this game and your character and what you need to work on this project you agree to shut the hell up about this until we are ready to talk about it and if you break an NDA in this industry once 
you're done. You're done. You're done with at least that company. You're probably done with any of those uh, clients that they also work with because they're going to tell their colleagues, hey, this guy couldn't keep our confidential information secret. You know, don't use him if you value your, your copyright or your identity or your branding or your marketing ability. Ouch. And if you just, if you think about an industry where, think about Los Angeles, where it's basically the city of actors, where there's thousands of people who all want to work in that business. Why would you give a company any reason to say or to think of you as less desirable than 2,100 other people who all want to do the work you do? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it makes no sense at all that you would want to break an NDA and put yourself at risk like that. So if I'm allowed to talk about it, I promise you I will tell you about it as soon as I can. If I can't talk about it or if it's a question of tell us about what you're working on, no. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. Well, let's pump your social media then. So you have a Facebook page, you have a Twitter. For different purposes. If you want if you want my social if you want my announcements or just my day-to-day like when I'm posting stuff or uh, my my random train of thought, any announcements about new characters or uh, just for me to interact with you on a more personal level, go to my Twitter because my Twitter is the one I'm most active on. It's where I post announcements. It's where I host raffles. That's where I give away stuff all the time. Like right now, like literally at the time of this podcast, there's a raffle going on my Twitter at Sonic Mega, S-O-N-I-C-M-E-G-A, where uh, to enter, all you have to do is I ask a question related to the prize. So this week's prize is a full set of the ReZero manga that have been released. And the question is, when you read a manga are you more interested in the text and the story or the visuals that come with the story um and to enter all you have to do is like follow like comment and subscribe um and then obviously (laughs) uh answer the question but it's all on my dime like i pay for this and ship it out to you it's totally free so if you want to interact with me go to my twitter um that's at sonic mega at sonic mega Uh my facebook is for more like life reflection posts i don't use it as much for just talking about my day-to-day but when i reflect on my roles for example there is a huge reflection post i made on facebook about my experience with breath of the wild and the recording process and like how frustrating rivali was for me when i when i want to get more real and down to earth and like explore both the highs and the lows of the voiceover industry and my life in general i use facebook for that just because i I can write longer posts and share my thoughts. Um, and if you just want the shit posting mean lord side, go to my Tumblr. Because my Tumblr is where I do dumb audio recordings of like lines that weren't voiced in the game, but people want to hear from me. It's where I share posts that I find are really funny. It's pretty much where all of my my skits that I write, because I used to write a bunch of Undertale skits. Um, if you've ever heard of Papyrus Makes a Mixtape or the Pafriskus comic dub where I ended up singing the He-Man parody song as uh, the <laughs> hey, hey yeah. as Papyrus, that's where all of those got posted. That's fantastic. I'm checking that out for sure when I get home. So there's a chip block for all audiences uh what's the tumblr uh the tumblr is also at sonic mega it's the same for everything my twitter is at sonic mega my tumblr is at sonic mega my you porn is at sonic mega it's all it's all the same fantastic (laughs) so you you touched on this a little bit um tell us tell us about what you do that's not in the voice acting industry so i know you play you you watch some animes you you play video games but some of that's work right i'm the number one Mega Man player on the west coast for smash bros for wii u Really? I am. In fact, I can now attest to that because, well, okay, you have to understand, saying you're the number one player of a certain character is does not mean you're the number one player of the game. Because no, yeah. if you watch, like, Evo or Twitch, like, many of those players who are placing, like, the top 20, top 32, like, Zero, Larry Lur, K9, uh, 
TLTC, Charlie DeKing, they're all locals to Southern California. So when I go to local tournaments, I'm playing against them in like round two and three. So what I'm saying is, uh, yuck. And then like <laughs> on the East Coast, we have Scat. Scat S C A T T is another Mega Man player who I agree I think is better than me in terms of the character, just because he has certain things he does differently and is more efficient at. So I'm not I'm not making myself out bigger to want to say, but on the western half of the United States, I am the number one Mega Man player for Smash Bros. And I and I like to put my money where my mouth is. I went to uh, last week. I went to a convention called NakaCon, and I held an event called Smash for Cash. And the entire point of the event was. If you beat my Mega Man, and usually it's in a set, like a best of three, but for this case, I literally made it in a game so I could fit on as many people as possible. If you beat my Mega Man, I give you 20 bucks. That's that's a decent amount of money when you're at an anime convention. And they didn't owe me anything if they lost, like except like, hey, you know, plug me on Twitter and say that you got your butt kicked by me. But yeah, they didn't owe me money. Picture, right? there, was, there was nothing for them to lose by taking part. Mega Man, my Mega Man went undefeated across thirty different entrants at that at that panel, and they had they had PR members like like some of the top ranked players in that region of the state who attended that to try and get their free money from me. No one beat my Mega Man during that panel. That's so. awesome. That's awesome to hear. It's 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 good to see a fellow elite gamer on yes, the podcast. I am a, I am a super <laughs> elite gamer, guys. If you if you if you think you can beat my Mega Man, well you've got another thing coming, okay? I've devoted my entire free time to this. Is that how I sound? No, no, no. <laughs> that's how that's how elite gamers talk. <laughs> oh wait, did you call yourself an elite gamer? I don't know. Did I? I did I do that? Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's alright. It's alright. Alright. Um and again, uh, this is a very generic question, so I apologize. But yeah. um, you, you talked about a panel that you do about how new people ask you, what can they do, right? This how, is, how do people break into the industry? This is where I plug myself for conventions because like 2018 is the year that I said, you know what, I really want to try and get myself invited to more conventions, especially now that I have the resume to not, not deserve it, but where I might actually have something to offer to conventions in terms of notoriety. Right. Um, so like I said, people ask, how do you get into voiceover? And the problem is that there are so many different ways to get into the industry that no one's path is going to be exactly alike. So at first I started off with a panel called I'm Not Crazy Five of Me Are, which I also presented at the convention this weekend on Friday. And that focuses more specifically on getting used to voiceover, practicing as an amateur, um, especially since I came from Michigan where the industry doesn't really exist. I looked, I made panels and or I made slides focusing on how can I get practice at home even if there's not studios nearby that I can do auditions for. Right. But when I got to the part where I talked about um, you know, the qualities of how to be successful as a voice actor, like being consistent, being professional, you know, how to, how to improve, how to learn, how to do your research, how to practice. The more I did that and the more people chimed in with their own anecdotes, the more that I realized the qualities of being successful aren't necessarily specific to voice acting. Like there's a lot of things you can do to be successful as a person that will translate to whatever industry you're in. Like, I don't have to be a voice actor to put value on being punctual and showing up to, on time to appointments that are important to me. I don't have to be a voice actor to reflect on the things I've done in the past and use my current knowledge to approach new situations. So, whereas I'm, I'm not crazy, only five of me are is more focused on amateur voice acting and just learning more about the industry specifically, I then made an offshoot panel called uh, uh, Mega Man Battle Network Life Lessons where I took 
the qualities of successful people in general and how you can learn from that. And I tied them to game mechanics from the Mega Man Battle Network series because I just figured it was more fun than listening to someone talk for an hour. If I could also geek out about a game that's really worth playing, then, you know, it's fun for everybody and I can show videos and GIF images and stuff like that. Yeah, and it matches cons better. Right, it does, and yeah. it really aligns. So so now I've, I've got a couple different ways that I can talk about voiceover or just success in general or just geek out about things I'm, I really enjoy. I also have an hour-long panel called uh, uh, Gamer's Guide to Dungeon Crawlers, which not only is finished, like I presented it at NakaCon last week to a completely full room, which was incredible. It's also an ongoing process. Like right now, this weekend, after I finished Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, the remake that came out for 3DS, uh, I just started playing Dungeon Travelers 2. And as I play through Dungeon Travelers 2, I'm going to add slides about the game to the Dungeon Crawler panel so that as I play more Dungeon Crawlers, I'll have even more of them to talk about, talk about their unique mechanics, what makes them stand out from the others, or what they do really well, and hopefully people leave the panel with recommendations on games they might want to try out if they're new to the Dungeon Crawler genre. All three of those panels sound awesome, honestly. They're all the three newest ones that I've written, and I'm very, very, very proud about the Mega Man Battle Network and the Dungeon Crawler. I think the Dungeon Crawler and the Battle Network panel specifically were when I really started to understand how I present panels, and how to best incorporate uh, outside resources and media into those panels and it showed because they consistently finished on time. Um, For Battle Network I had people come into the panel who had never heard of the series before but fully understood the mechanics of the game by the time they left which is that's a great piece of feedback for me because it means I'm delivering it in a concise but informative manner that's not overwhelming Um, and it's just in general you figure like if I'm going to present a panel at a con that is a block of time that someone is choosing to take out of their day to come to this panel. If you think like there's autographs happening at three or my panel happening at three or a Yaoi panel happening at three, you know, you have to make a choice. So if someone's going to choose to come to my panel, I want to make sure they leave that panel going, I made the best possible choice for that time slot. So that's just that's just how I approach it. No different from voiceover. If I'm going to play this character, I want to give them the best performance they deserve. If I'm going to present a panel, I want you to feel like you made the right choice in attending the panel. Well, that's awesome. This this podcast is going to air after ShootoCon. So okay. what's the next con that you're going to be at so people can check out oh, these panels? I think, um, oh my God, I would have to access my phone. I think it's called Consinity or something like that. Okay. Let me... Well, I'll tell you what, after the yeah, podcast, yeah, 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 yeah. give me a list of everything you're going to be at, Okay, and we'll plug that on the podcast. So, I'm definitely going to be at Constantine. I think that's April 22nd, sometime around there, like okay. 19th through the 22nd. Um, what's other stuff? I'm, I plan on attending Anime Expo this year. Um, I always go as an attendee. I've been going since 2009. Anime Expo was actually the very first convention I've, I had ever gone to. So, I kind of spoiled myself because you know when you go from a convention where you have about 50,000 75,000 people in attendance to a smaller convention like Shudokan that's like we broke our records this year we've got 6,000 people and you know not to discredit them that's amazing and it it can still be really congested but it's it's relaxing for me to go from (laughs) better line up for this panel an hour and a half in advance if I want to get seats that aren't in the very back row to oh I can grab food at you know 15 minutes before this panel and still make it to it on time no sweat don't worry about it I actually like the smaller cons for that reason so Consinity um, Anime Expo and then generally as I find out what other conventions I'll be at I try to announce them on my Twitter I'm not as good as I should be about reminding people what's coming up but again Twitter is the place to follow if you want to know consistently about stuff that's coming up. 
That's so. awesome. So uh, we're going to plug your social media stuff, your Tumblr, your Facebook, your Twitter. Yep. Check all those out for uh, Sean Shiplock. Um, is there anything else that you want to pump that you want to say to the listeners of Michigan and the Gamezilla podcast? Um, just voice, like aspiring voice actors or anyone in general? Anyone. No matter no matter the Sean Shiplack portion of the show. Um, no matter what you're doing in life, you need to approach it with confidence. No amount of training, no amount of handouts, no amount of free opportunities, and I'm putting it in air quotes, fully realizing that people listening to this cannot see me doing yeah, the air he quotes is right, now. Air quotes right I now. I am making like your your code of honor. I am making air quotes yeah, right code now. Code of honor. Okay. Yeah. I put the air quotes in air quotes too. <laughs> anyway, so you have to approach it with confidence. If you tell yourself I can't you have already destroyed your chances before you go into it. If for my case, it's more literal, where if I tell myself I'm not capable of playing a character, then that lack of confidence is going to come through in my voice, and it's going to change their personality. But um, without saying fake it till you make it, believing that you can will get will help you have the drive to seek out ways of learning. And you just, it's all, it's all self-driven any any industry is self-driven if you want that success you will find ways to achieve it and looking for those ways is how you come across success in the first place preparation plus opportunity equals success and you are responsible for the amount of preparation that you do in advance that is probably one of the most wise things that i've ever heard i i i've never heard it really spoken that way it's something that i try to tell people when they ask about speed running they ask me, uh, you know, they see me beat Battletoads or Ghosts and Goblins or some ridiculously right. hard NES game, and they say, oh, man, you're just really good. No, uh, I prepped. I, I, I put effort into it. That's how I got to where I'm at. I mean, just in terms of, and I'll say this one for people who want to do acting in Michigan. Like, I knew going into voice acting that Michigan didn't offer a lot in terms of voiceover, but instead of saying, oh, well, then I'll just worry about it when I get out to California, I said, what can I do now to help me be ready when I go to California? Like, no different than, you know, people take advanced classes in high school so that when they get to college, the college work is something they've already been working on. It's nothing new to them. Mm-hmm. Why would you do it? Why would you act any differently for what you want to do in life as your career. If you want to be an artist for Disney, start drawing. If you want to you know, be a storyboard artist for another company, just practice drawing in your free time. If you want to be a voice actor, even though there wasn't studios for me to record at in Michigan, I took part in radio playgroups in Kalamazoo for all years theater. I got involved on campus with student performance groups because that got me used to working with others and meeting deadlines or offering up my own ideas if we needed ideas for skits working on voice acting club and online forums which got me used to networking with my peers that's the other thing no matter which industry you work in you will always have to work with other people even if you're an IT person or you're coding programs for a computer someone has to help you compile that code or run the program or something like that in almost every potential skill set in life you will have to work with other human beings and if you're not an easy person to work with people are not going to want to work with you. So understanding and connecting with your peers, not just the companies of today, but the people who could become company CEOs of tomorrow or the art leads of tomorrow, connecting with your peers and and working with your colleagues and creating that network before you need it is going to play a big part in how many opportunities you have down the line. The reason why I get as many auditions as I do today isn't just because I'm better as an actor and so I get more auditions it's because I've connected with more studios more clients more people who cast projects and instead of getting three times the projects I used to from the same client I'm getting 12 different clients who all send me auditions from time to time and that's why I get so much in my inbox 
That's just how it works. Network with your peers, build up your network so that opportunity can come from anywhere. You have no idea where that next chance will come from. So just be ready and be proactive. That was Sean Chiplock, the great wise Deku tree, giving you knowledge about life on the GameZilla podcast. Be ready and be proactive. Exactly. The whole time you were doing that, I had that voice in my head because right. you sounded very, very, that was very wise. <laughs> so, no, definitely listen to him, guys. And uh, I've said similar things, not as eloquently as Sean did, but you got to believe in yourself. You got to put in the practice. You got to put in the time if you want to do things. If you want to be a speedrunner or you want to be a, a philosopher like Sean here or a voice actor, you have to put in the work and you have to be able to work with other people and that is a big portion of anything and, and he's right he's absolutely as, right as as naruto is famous for saying may the force be with you <laughs> all right thanks a lot sean for being on the podcast uh we're gonna pump all your stuff hopefully we cross paths again next time you're in michigan yeah. maybe you can hang out with the gamezilla guys we'll play some mega man you can beat the crap out of us oh my goodness that would be amazing <laughs> that would be awesome all right cool well thanks a lot thank you for having me all right and there's our interview with sean chiplock well, I learned one very important thing from that interview. You're not very good at voice Never acting. Never going to voice act again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. It's mm. probably a good idea. Don't 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 drag people like Sean down by, by lying about what you are. I didn't know before and it'll <laughs> never happen again. That's good to hear. Yeah. It's good to hear. He's uh like I said earlier, he's an amazing guy. Uh the voices that he was able to do and the range that he was able to sh- show on the podcast and off was was really cool. And yeah. uh, not only that, uh, he seemed really excited about working on even small projects or big projects. He just really loves being a voice actor. And I, 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 I connect with people that are really passionate about what they do, even if it even if it isn't making them rich. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is listening to this, you just you can you can see the love in it, you know, the passion and you can and it's just I don't know. It's it's amazing. Like not only was it cool to hear voices, you know, from games that you've from I mean, voices from a game that can go all the way back to the NES and Battletoads and and Zelda, but and just be like, oh, my God, I played this game for hours and hours and like it's his voice it's really it's it's that same sense of like when you first kind of like i don't know when i first kind of watched uh family guy and then i saw this clip of seth MacFarlane doing one of the voices and i was like this is weird like this is weird like there's no i'm not staring at a cartoon and this is something's broken am i having a stroke like and so it's just it's really cool um but the thing i i really enjoyed about the interview is the the fact that he this interview helps you understand voice acting. It helps you even understand, like, he even taught us, right? Like, he, like he was excited to, to tell us, like, how to do things, how to change things, how to. I don't know. I just overall, I thought, I'm a teacher of photography. Like, I love photography, and anybody that comes to me with a camera in their hand and says, "Will you show me, you know, some things?" I am. It excites me. It gets. I. I am very like passionate when it comes to that so i'll go absolutely by the time we're done you you should be able to use your camera in full manual mode right jazzy yep okay yeah. Ja- yeah jazzy's one of my students so like w- when you listen to this interview that's what i get from him he kind of reminds me in this you know when it comes to voice acting 
I, I'm the same way with speedrunning. I love speedrunning so much, and that's why I try to pump it with everyone that I talk to because, you know, with even you guys, right? I, I want more people doing it and being involved in it because it just brings me so much happiness, and it's really helped me in my life. And the stuff that he talks about in this interview is very... It's very, it resonates with me because he's talking about how to be positive. He's talking about how to be a good person and, and, and do basic things, you know, show up on time, uh, you know, uh, put your name out everywhere. Don't get mad if you, if, if you don't get a hear you, you know, an email back, you know, don't just stay positive with everything you're doing and be proactive with everything you're doing. Those are just two big messages. Yeah. And that's a huge portion of anything. You know, if I, if I, if when I, when 8-Bit Steve started, and I started my YouTube channel and I had five followers for six months and I just said, ah, I suck. I'm never going to make it. I wouldn't be where I am right now. Right. And a year from now, I'm going to be even further because I have a positive attitude and I, I, I'm proactive about connecting with other people. And that's another big thing he says. You got to work with other people. You really do. If yeah. you want to be in any industry that makes any kind of money, even acting or, or, or whatever, even a doctor, you or in this industry for gaming, you have to connect with other people. Yeah, networking is so important. You can have such a great product and such great content, but if no one knows about you, it falls on deaf ears. You know, like, what are you going to do? So, you know, that's why we go to cons. That's why we, that's why you, I mean, it's why you ended up meeting this, you know, this person and being able to have this interview is because we put ourselves out there because of this. And that's, that's how I met you guys yeah. uh, by doing the things that he's talking about. They're v and again, I say this in the interview. I don't want to repeat myself too much, but it's a very, very wise thing. You should really listen to what this guy has to say about how to be a good person and how to, how to grow your, your career and how to grow your life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to thank again, 8-Bit Steve for uh, going out to yeah, yep, yeah. going out and getting thank this interview. You, Steve. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to thank Jazzy for pretending to be a voice actor. And, yeah, and then yeah, thank you, realize, Jazzy. Yeah, and then the realization <laughs> that he isn't. Yeah, yeah, real, yeah, definitely on that one. I want to thank, thank my realization. Yeah. I want to thank myself for not stabbing Jazzy in the face. I appreciate <laughs> good that. Good job, me. Yeah. Good job, me. Thank you, Grimlock. And then, of course, I want to thank uh, Sean <laughs> Chiplock for being on the show and sharing the voices, sharing some some opinions and strategies, and and just being an overall uh, fantastic time to to interview. So yeah. But, on top of that, all of our supporters over on Patreon, because the show wouldn't be possible without you. We don't get to send 8-Bit Steve out in the world with a bunch of cool gear um, to record these awesome interviews um, if it weren't for you guys supporting us 100% of the way. So thank you for everyone who supports us on Patreon. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this has been episode 49 of GameZilla Alpha. Anything uh, any guys need to need to pitch or say before we get out of here? I just wanted to say, uh, again, thank you to Sean Chiplock for doing this interview on short notice. Uh, it was at ShootoCon. Uh, I didn't talk a lot about that, but ShootoCon was very uh, accommodating to GameZilla. They were able to give us passes on short notice. Um, we unfortunately weren't able to get a venue down for the interview, but Sean was uh, cordial enough to let us use his hotel room, which was awesome. Yeah, He was awesome the whole time. I, I, I'm going to meet him again. We're going to go to his cons. Check out his panels. He showed us some behind-the-scenes slides from his panels. They're awesome. He puts a lot of work into them. Check him out. Check him out on Twitter. Check him out on – and this is all in the podcast, the Twitter, the Facebook, the the Instagram. Uh, I want to thank GameZilla for having me on and uh, getting me involved more with the products on Legend of Retro. And I'm going to have my own podcast coming out pretty soon. Um, and that's pretty much it. We'll see you guys at PAX. I hope to see some GameZilla people at PAX. Yeah, this is that's you're right. That's one thing we have at death. There's a good pitch. Guaranteed. This is the last episode before we'll be in PAX. Yes. Like, 
Yeah. You know, we record on Thursdays. Next Thursday, we'll be on a plane going, flying to Boston and, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, you got to be on that episode because you're going to be a PAX. Yeah. We're going to be doing, we're going to be oh, we doing. We forgot to tell you. Yeah. We're going to basically have our, uh, you know, our show done in Boston at PAX. So I'm sure yeah. we'll have a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Can't let a notification coming. When Jazzy said, you got to be on the show, Graham gave me this face like, I can't believe you just said that, you son. Oh, did I? I don't know. Maybe did you? No, I no, mean that I was his look to. of excitement. Like maybe yeah. we can get Jazzy to go somewhere else. I was about to say, like, I, yeah, yeah. How I think I think it was a disgusted look of like, now how can I just put get Jazzy to go away while we're in Boston? <laughs> I'll just point him towards Quincy Market, and I'll never see him again because he'll just keep eating. So that's true. Yeah. that's true. I know because it's just, the food's amazing. But we're very excited. We're going to Pax East. We get we have you know the three of us that are going, and mm-hmm. um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. I'm I'm very very pumped. And there's a lot of cool announcements that are that are already hitting uh, the news feeds about Pax East. So I think it's gonna be a big year at Pax East. Did you guys hear that 8-Bit Steve is going to be at PAX, and he's going to be walking around giving away pins and uh, all kinds of cool stuff? Did you guys hear about that? I just did. Yeah. So, yeah, if if you're going to PAX East and you see 8-Bit Steve, and if you don't know what 8-Bit Steve looks like, then you aren't following him on social media and you're 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 doing it wrong. That's yeah, basically really, what's going on. you really are. But, yeah, make sure you get some free pins. I know that's what I'm going to be doing. Mm-hmm. going to be looking for him everywhere I go. Also, uh, I have a new shop up. It's a Teespring shop. It's uh, you can check it out on my Facebook, and uh, it was also posted on Xbit Gaming this morning. Uh, hoodies, uh, shirts, mugs, stickers. We're we're doing a campaign for thirty days just to see what kind of response it is. So yeah, but then, and that's so everyone that listens knows Gamezilla is a community, right? That's we we built a community here, and we want to we we believe in the people. So if you're one of those people that want to be a content creator and we've given you avenues to to bring some of that content out, the other important thing is to build your per, the personality, to build you, mm-hmm. right? Gamezilla is going to going to succeed because of you. So 8-Bit Steve needs to build 8-Bit Steve. So if you like 8-Bit Steve's content, please support him. Please check out his shop. And, uh, you know, that's the same with any of our other streamers or content creators. If they if they have some cool perks on Patreon or their own shops, please be patrons for everyone. If, if you can, responsibly. <laughs> but, all right. Episode 49, Gamezilla Alpha. Thanks for hanging out. We will see you in at PAX East. But until then, game, game on. on. I did it that time. He, he did it. I did it that Guys, time. Guys, he did it on his own. Hey, did you hear that uh, Steve did it? Steve's going to be at Bax East. And he's going to be giving away pens. I am. Man, I just heard that. I, yeah. I, may, I may or may not have an NES Classic Mini. I don't know. We'll see. <sighs> if you've listened all the way through this episode, you just heard that.